You're listening to episode 41 of the Walking Closer podcast. Welcome to the Walk Closer Podcast. I'm Adam Como, your host. And today, I want to share with you some final thoughts as it relates to our emotions and the choices we make. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. This is the last episode in a series of podcasts that, where we have been specifically addressing the ideas of responding and reacting and the roles that our emotions play in these. And I want to conclude this series by addressing some things that I have learned about emotionless decisions framework and what's also called zero-based thinking. Uh, These two things, I think, are extremely important. Um, Now, the context that these are typically discussed, and you may not be familiar with them, and we'll give a a brief description of what these are uh, here in a moment. These are typically things that are used in the business world. And I like them, though, and I really appreciate them because they acknowledge the fact that the business world is filled with real people who are not just robots, right, mindlessly operating according to the programs. It acknowledges the aspects of what it means to be human in this culture and addresses how to possibly navigate through the human side of the business decisions. And so if you own a business, you might benefit from learning about zero-based thinking and the emotionless decisions framework. If you find yourself in leadership positions or, look, just being in the workforce, right? Understanding these things can be extremely helpful and beneficial to you. But what I'm going to do is briefly explain what these are and then some takeaways that I think can be useful to you in your personal life. But, uh, but first, th- there are a few things I want to say about all of this. Just, just by considering the titles alone, right, zero-based thinking and emotionless decisions framework, it might seem that there is a need to remove all emotions from a decision-making process. That's not what these are. However, I believe, right, it is, it is nearly impossible to remove all emotions. Even when we are making what we might think are rational or logical decisions, our emotions may be involved on some level. And that's, especially in the business world, that's why emotionless decision framework and zero-based thinking are things that we can utilize to help us navigate or rise above the emotions in the moment so we can make the proper decisions that need to be made. Now, there's plenty of information out there that attempts to explore the connection between our emotions and their involvement and our decision-making and on what levels and to what extremes they are and whether or not it's impossible to personally make a decision without any emotional involvement on any level. That's not what we're going to do here. It's fascinating, and there's plenty of stuff out there. Google will be your friend. However, there have been processes developed that we can go through that may help us remove as much of the emotional component that's possible from the decision-making process. And now, the, while these are typically used in the business world, there's lots of takeaways, and, and even if you would like, the, I, can, I can think of several situations in which, personally in your own life, using one of these processes to help you make the proper decision can be beneficial. Now, you might be wondering how talking about all this would benefit me in my, in my own personal life, right? Well, as I see it, here it is. It's about identifying those instances when our emotions might keep us from making the best decisions. We know emotions influence our decisions, right? How how could they not? We're emotional beings. And as we have already discussed, our emotions can put us at an advantage in in certain situations. And 
also a disadvantage. Right? Uh, we, we've discussed this recently. Emotionally-based decisions are decisions that are made quickly and can be helpful in dangerous situations where there, there's not time to think and evaluate what's the, what's the thing to do, right? We allow the subconscious to, to essentially take over, and it seems that though there, there are other ways that emotional decision-making may give us an advantage. I, I came across an article that discussed how emotional decision-making can improve decisions that are made if it's managed as a part of the decision-making process. And in this article, they talked about emotional decision-making advantages and disadvantages. Now, I'll be honest with you. Some of the advantages they mentioned here have me scratching my head. I don't quite understand what they are. But there's a few here um, that I thought uh, that caught my eye and I thought were interesting and helped continue to make the point. Like, uh, for, for instance, one of the advantages, right, to making emotional decisions and or, you know, having the emotions that we have and not being able to remove them completely is this. They say emotions may provide a way for coding and compacting experience, enabling a fast response selection. And this may point to why experts' gut-level decisions have high accuracy rates. That makes sense to me. Uh, another one that they mention here was that emotions are possible signals from the subconscious that provide information about what we really choose or what's really going on. And, um, you know, you have several other different advantages that they mention here. You know, emotions often drive us in directions conflicting with self-interest. Uh, individuals care about the emotional features of decision options and so forth and so on. Some of this may not mean anything to you, right? And you may have no interest in understanding this and even researching any of this and, and making it you know, clear to you whatsoever. But here's why I mention it. Here's why I think that this is important. Because what it does is it highlights the fact that we're human beings and emotions are a part of who we are. And trying to completely eliminate them, I believe, is impossible. Okay, Which is why, again, you need these systems in place that help remove as much of the emotions as possible, especially when we're making you know, highly valuable decisions. And uh, why would we need to remove the emotions as much as possible in certain situations? Well, because they're negatives, right? When we're making emotional decisions, we make quick decisions without knowing why. And then we create rational reasons to justify our poor emotional decisions. How many times have we done this? How many times in your life did you find yourself doing this? You knew you made the wrong decision, but you're going to justify it. Okay. Um, another negative that they mention here is the intensity of emotions can override rational decision-making in cases where it's clearly needed. Who hasn't experienced that? Um, another one here is immediate and unrelated emotions can create mistakes by distorting and creating biases and judgments. And in some cases, this can lead to unexpected and reckless action. And another one that they mentioned here, the final one, is projected emotions can lead to errors because people are subject to systematic inaccuracy about how they will feel in, in the future. Now, without breaking these down and explaining them, the reason why I'm mentioning them is this. Emotions are a part of who we are. Right, I mean, they're part of our DNA. Completely removing them, I believe, is, is impossible. Even when we go through processes to do the best we can, emotions are still involved at some level. Okay, um, and there is there is room, there is a need at times to rise above the emotions as high as possible because of well, 
the negatives that come with making emotional decisions and the involvement of our emotions when it comes to making the wrong decisions at times. So I think that's just extremely important. And as I see it, right, we're wanting to eliminate the negatives that come with emotions in our decisions, not just completely eliminate emotions. And I think this is extremely important with our culture of, of information and the amount of decisions we have to make constantly. Right? We have so much we have to process nowadays that it's just plain easier for us to make emotional decisions rather than take the time to analyze so we can make rational decisions. Now, not everything needs to be carefully analyzed, but we fall into these traps, constantly making these emotional decisions that when it comes to making really important ones, our emotions are doing most of the talking. And that's us. And we are in the business world, making daily decisions, some of which have enormous consequences if we get it wrong. This is where zero-based thinking and emotionless decision frameworks come into play and other processes like it, at least in the business world. However, there are some takeaways for us personally as well. And so first, what are, let's give you a, an explanation of zero-based thinking and emotionless decision framework here, and I'll include some of my takeaways that you might find helpful. First, zero-based thinking is a process that uses hindsight, and it asks the question, if I had to do it all over again, would I? And it's all about seeing the value in hindsight and leveraging that value, right, to determine what decisions need to be made next. I came across an article by Pete Williams, who's an entrepreneur, he's an author, he's a marketer in uh, Australia. He said that zero-based thinking is about stripping away everything except hindsight and using the clarity that it brings to make the hard choices, right? So you can see how there's situations wherein your emotions will keep you from making the right choice or making a choice at all when it comes to hard decisions, and it's about removing emotional ties that keep you from making the wrong decisions simply because you don't want to admit, right, that your first decision was a mistake or that you were wrong. I'll quote, I'll quote him. He says this, What zero-based thinking enables you to do is zero out everything that has happened over the last few months and years and allows you to ask yourself the pure, unadulterated question. With hindsight, if I could go back, would I start down this path? And if the answer is no, then it's probably, not time, it's probably time to let, let it go. In other words, we can come to a point and we can ask ourselves the question, if I could go back, would I do the same thing again? And if not, I might need to reconsider how I proceed, if I proceed at all. And so an example of this might be, and this is something that he mentions, an example that he gives. So you come to a situation where there's a question, there's something you have to do, there's a decision you have to make, and here's, here it is. Should I fire this member of staff? And if you implement zero-based thinking, this is what it would look like. Knowing everything that I know now, if I had the opportunity to hire this person today and make them a team member from this day forward, would I take them on? Or would I look for someone better? See, it's about assessing the situation and asking, would I do it again? And if not, why not? Then allowing that to inform how you move forward, right? And you can see how this will be extremely beneficial, especially if the person who you hired is a close friend or a family member, right? Or someone you've grown attached to in some way, shape, or form. Now, I can see how this could be extremely helpful in business, and I'm not sure we can make a complete clean crossover to the personal side of things. However, in principle, it could be helpful. I think what this does speak to for us is to simply 
the, the value in taking the time to consider what we have actually learned from our past experiences so we don't repeat the same mistakes. I can't tell you how many times I've thought. I found myself in the same situation over and over again thinking, really, again? I'm back here again? Right? There was a season of my, of, of my life for several years where I would be happily just, you know, going along, living life, making decision after decision without regard to consequence. And uh, then all of a sudden everything would come to a head. And I can remember thinking, really, this again? I thought I wasn't going to end up back here again. And if I would have just stopped to consider my actions, the decisions that I had been making, what I had been doing, and ask myself, if I could do it all over again, would I make this decision? What is it that I'm doing that gets me here? Maybe, just maybe, I would have actually begun to proceed forward like I wanted to, like I thought I was. Now, there are also times where zero-based thinking and stopping and right, looking behind and asking the question, would I do this again, uh, be extremely beneficial. Like, for instance, when you really need to stop pursuing something, but you're not willing to because you don't want to admit you should have never pursued it in the first place. Right? We, we don't like to admit we're wrong. And it doesn't matter what you're pursuing here. Job, relationship, uh, something that you want to acquire, whatever it is. Okay? A decision that you have made in the business, a project, whatever it is. You know, a money decision, investments, whatever. We don't like to admit we're wrong. Right? It's the reasons we argue to we're blue in the face. And even if we know we're wrong. <laughs> but what we know doing that gets us nowhere. Well, there may be times where we even truly believe that we were doing the right thing, but it's it's not going so well, and it may even turn out that, well, we, we were what we were doing wasn't the best course of action. Stopping to reflect and consider if we do it all over again, and why, may actually give us a way out that is not based on our pride. It helps us to be honest with ourselves. So we can make the next best decision. And so you find yourself in a place where you're not so sure the path you're going is the best. Step back and ask, if I had to do it all over again, would I pursue this relationship? Right? Would I pursue this job? Would I say this? Would I have done that? Would I have pursued this course of action? And if not, why not? Right? And allow yourself to be honest. And... um Allow that to inform how you move forward, right? Then there's also this EDM or Emotionless Decision-Making Framework, which is designed for similar outcomes, right, to help you rise above the emotions to make the best decision possible. But it speaks more to this framework. It's a process. I think there are six or seven steps uh, that you go through and helping you rise above the emotion in making decisions. Again, it's primarily geared towards the business world. It was put out by More Time, More Profit. And uh, there are lots of other ways, very similar ways, maybe some different ways uh, that have been created to help businesses make the difficult decisions. But this one caught my eye because it was simple and it acknowledged the fact that those making decisions are people. And they provided a simple way to help people navigate decision-making in light of the emotions. And if you, if you want to know more about this simple method, you can go to moretimemoreprofit.com and get a full explanation. It might be helpful, especially if you own your own business, you find yourself in leadership positions. But I think it would be helpful to anyone uh, who's in the workplace. 
Now, I'm not affiliated with them in any way and have no intentions on just repeating their process here. You can get their information uh, free. You can even get consultations or help from them. Uh, you can speak to people uh, that will help you go through processes. But I only mention them thinking that they might perhaps be of some benefit to you um, in, in where you are. But as I okay, um, learned about this and looked into this, there's some takeaways that I saw that um, I think could be beneficial to us personally especially when we are attuned to our emotions in the moment. And so one of those points that they mentioned was when you actually feel the emotions, right? When you're in the situation, you're in a moment where you're about to, you have to make a decision. You have to respond to something. And you start feeling the emotions. And it's not a good thing. It's negative emotions. That is, you are aware of them, okay? Don't make a decision in that moment. Now, I can think of situations where it doesn't matter that this, the, the, the emotions are good or bad, and they could lead to the wrong decision. Um, but especially whenever the emotions are not good and they're negative, right? Don't make a decision in that moment. You need to take a break, allow yourself to calm down, and uh, remove yourself from the situation as much as you can. Now, it sounds simple, but we all know it's so hard to actually do it in the moment. Um, but, I, you know, one of the things I think the difficulties with this is us saying, well, I didn't realize it was happening. I didn't know what was going on. And again, that's something that some comes easier to some than others, and it may not need to be better cultivated within you. But I think we, we know at least sometimes when this starts, right? We can at least look back and see or remember when we started feeling the emotions. You can see it when, we, when you retell the story, right, what happened and how, how you felt. Um, and people themselves will become aware of it. They'll be able to hear it in your tone as you talk about it. Now, I want you to go back to one of those situations, and for an example, think about that time you were sitting in a meeting, or you were in a conversation with someone, and you don't like what they're saying. Maybe they, they are voicing their disagreements with something you have said or done, right? Those moments when we, we feel like we have to defend ourselves, regardless if we're right or not, our emotions begin to take over, and we, we, we can react in ways that creates a mess, but it's a mess that could have been avoided. Think about this, Okay. If you are convicted that something you said or did is absolutely right, that it was the best thing to do, and the tension gets the best of you and your emotions take over, you might respond in ways that close the door for others to even consider what you have said or done. But if we are in the moment, we come to realize that we are being driven by our emotions, we need to figure out a way to stop ourselves. Maybe even excuse ourselves from the situation momentarily to calm down. Maybe we hold all comments till later a day, right? Whatever it is that needs to be done, if at all possible, refrain from making decisions in that moment. Don't send that email, right? Don't continue that conversation. Uh, take a breather, whatever it is. And if we, we have cultivate and continue to work on cultivating the heart to be able to be attuned to the moment and rise above the emotion of the situation, we'll be able to respond accordingly. But if we haven't done that, we need to stop. We need to pause. We need to regroup, remove ourselves, do whatever it is that we need to do so that we don't cause a bigger mess, right, um, than might already be. And, and now, so, you know, the idea of being attuned to your emotions and when you are aware that the emotions are there, not making decisions in that moment, extremely important. And another point that I'll mention, the last one that I'll mention that I, I took away that I thought might be beneficial to you. And 
the framework of the emotionless decision-making process. It has to do with how we perceive someone's response or reaction. You know, oftentimes in moments like, like this, high stressful situations, we take things extremely personal. Taking time to step back and figure out if the issues with you personally or with the situation or something to do with them individually can be extremely helpful. Many times, think about it, the way a person responds has more to do with an underlying cause that could be totally unrelated. It has nothing to do with what's happening there. And you're just you're just the punching bag. Or somebody else is your punching bag. And remembering this about others and about ourselves is extremely helpful when we either choose or if we are forced to assess what's going on, right? Especially if we're getting kicked back from something we want to do or something we have poured a lot of our time and energy into. Think about this. Right? If you're doing that, you're pouring yourself a, a lot of energy into something. It's your passion. It's your baby. It's your special thing. Right? You take ownership of it. And when people walk all over it, you take offense to it. When we, when we take a step back, though, and assess things, remember that no one is going to be as invested and as passionate as you are about something that you're doing. Right? And your reaction to negative criticism may simply just be based on that fact alone. Remembering this, one, one fact can keep you open to considering whether there is validity to their criticism, right? And this can help us from assuming the wrong motives behind what people are saying or, or doing. And so I, think, I see that as being extremely, extremely important and extremely helpful to us. Help us understand our own emotions and how we're reacting and then, you know, giving people the benefit of doubt, trying to assess what's really going on here. Is this really about me? Is it about the situation? Or is it about this person? You know, what is it? Now, you might ask, what does all this have to do with Jesus and walking closer to him? Everything. <laughs> this is really a picture of what love does. It's 1 Corinthians 13 applied. It's practical application. It's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. And that's what we should all be about, right? And remember this. Love is, love is not just what we're called to do, but it's who we're called to be. And so cultivating the things that we've talked about in this episode here is extremely important, I believe. Uh, having these things become a natural part of who we are, right? That's being love. We're called to be love. And that's Jesus. So thanks for listening to this episode. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing. And if you have any questions, you can drop me an email, adam at walkingcloser.com. And join me next time as we explore becoming like Jesus from the inside out.